2: Hey, what's up and welcome to The Mitchin, a weekly food podcast. My name is Andrew Levins and without me today is my regular co-host Mitch Orr. In fact, I'm going for 10 episodes without him. Uh, I'm about five, five in I think.
3: I think irregular co-host might be better than (laughs)
2: Uh, Yeah, he has problems going to the bathroom. (laughs) Um, Anyway, my name is Levins and uh, this week I'm in, uh, or today I'm in Hobart. I've been traveling Australia with the Venger Boys. Uh, two of my, my my guest's favorite band of all time. I think absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> play it all the time. And uh, you know, we, we we talk to a lot of legendary figures on this podcast. Um, for some reason, they 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 allow themselves to 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 get down to my level and consort with the filth like myself. But uh, I don't know. I feel like of, of all the guests we've had so far, there's been no two guests that are. I guess the level of mystery hasn't been higher than uh, the people I'm speaking to today. I'm in Hobart, and if you've ever been to Hobart, chances are the reason you have chosen your lunch or your dinner are because of the two guests that I'm talking to today. They are Roger McShane and Sue Dyson. Um, Together, they run a wine import business called Living Wines, uh, importing French wines. They also run a food website called Food Tourist. Um, In which they review and talk about a lot of stuff in the Hobart food scene and abroad Uh, They are the unofficial slash kind of still official editors of Gourmet Traveller for Tasmania Uh, And I just found out they had a a radio show for how many years? 25 25 years on uh, on local That shows how old we are (laughs) On local uh, Hobart ABC radio Um, And while I was researching you, um, you've also written... Textbooks for schools.
3: I thought that was very impressive. <laughs> that, that is
1: very impressive, yes. yes. I, I,
2: there are other weird tidbits that I found that I'll unlodge throughout the episode. But Roger and Sue, thank you so much for allowing me into your home. Oh, it's a pleasure. Um, this isn't actually the first time you've been on the Mitchin. Um, I did. I shoved a microphone in your faces mm. uh, at Rootstock. And know?
1: we didn't swear.
2: Yeah, and so <laughs> I, uh, we did. I, don't, I, know, I know you guys are. So Sue and Roger actually listened to the Mitchin. Uh, during their mostly during their trips to France when you were driving um, from vineyard ne- to Nearly Vinod. ran off the road a couple of
3: times. <laughs> <laughs> we binge on the mention,
2: <laughs> But you're a couple of episodes behind, which means that you've missed the uh, n- infamous uh, Drunk Night at the Dolphin episode. Oh, we have, yeah. Um, that is, I think we would have broken new records for swearing <laughs> in a podcast, so maybe avoid that one. We must listen to it. Maybe we'll... Take a drive somewhere and listen to it. <laughs> but uh, th- I think uh, for everyone listening right now, I'm going to try and put myself out there. I'm, I'm, no promises, but I think this could be the first ever Mitchin episode with no swearing.
1: We will try very hard.
2: Well, you don't have to try. No. I can. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys, I, I, I thought, because uh, that, that was like one of the few things you, you, you talked about when we put a mic in front of you at, at the Mitchin,
1: was that you, not, that you don't swear. Um, no, I, I'm actually known for my Tourette's problem, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I wasn't going to swear that day because it was expected. <laughs>
3: He's also a contrarian <laughs> um,
1: So if uh, you want
2: to hear more about um, Sue and Roger Before you even listen to this episode They've done a great episode of the Vincast um, A wine podcast from, recorded from Melbourne I think they're based Ah um, uh, uh, yes, yes And yes, uh, that's a really it was go- also
3: done in this house
2: yeah. Oh, wow. Right. Cool. Did you, did you give them the same level of snacks that you've given me?
3: Oh, I think here you might have got Gougere. Mm. It's a bit early in the I'm a Comte day over Gougere. Gougere.
2: Oh, wait. Oh, wait, there is Comte in Gougere. So you actually cooked with the. Yeah, right, <laughs> sure.
3: That's right. Yes, <laughs> the, the best Gougere made with the Comte that comes back from France. <laughs>
2: um, but uh, in that podcast, you talk at length about your dealings within the wine industry, but you have probably more so. In in the food industry, especially in the food and reviewing, and now and radio business, so I kind of wanted to talk to you about the differences between when you when you guys got started in the food industry, how you've got started in the food industry, and uh, and why
1: you're still in the bloody food industry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it it was sheer luck in some ways, but also quite plain. Sue and I um, decided to set up a business together over thirty years ago, and. um, Right from day one, we said, we're going to spend at least 10, 20% of our time on food and wine. Um, and our business plan in setting up the business was to transition from cask wine to bottled wine. That was our business plan. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so Technically,
3: we, that was <clears throat> the objective. Mm.
1: For, for everyone or just
2: yourselves?
3: No, just ourselves. <laughs> mm. and we could uh, see a future of just more cask wine. and mm. It was pretty grim at that stage.
1: Yeah, so we, we decided to set up a business and just lucky things happened. We um, we got a couple of gigs uh, writing for ANSET in-flight magazine um, and that, that was good fun and uh, as it turned out, uh, just after we started... Uh, the reviewer from Melbourne fell over and so we were asked if uh, we go to Melbourne at all. That's not
3: quite true. The re- we found out that the reviewer from Melbourne was plagiarising the <laughs> Melbourne Good Food Guide and <laughs> the reviewer in and then we took over Melbourne.
1: <laughs> so, so we did the Melbourne reviews for many years and then uh, uh, when ANSET fell over, uh, we got a gig with
3: Qantas, so... Uh, Yes, Do you yeah.
2: want to tell me the truth about ANSET
0: too?
3: <laughs> Actually, we probably could because we did a lot of work from them in our RT <laughs> <IT> world. <laughs> yes.
1: So... And, and um, the we, we set up uh, Food Tourist in 1996, which was one of the first oh, – it must be one of the longest-running uh, food sites on the internet. And that's uh, kind of why it looks so quaint, because it was <laughs>
3: created before blogs existed and we've never got around to converting it to something that looks modern. But it mm. makes it very easy to find things because there's no sophistication.
2: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, and, and, you know, you, you go there for the text and that's exactly. what it mostly is.
1: Mm. That's right. Yes, it's uh, yes, uh, and um, basically we've enjoyed cooking together over the years, and um, we've been to lots of cooking classes, and uh, we've travelled the world, you know, for our IT business. Uh, that's taken us to uh, all sorts of places. Like we um, in- helped install some software to um, charge people for their sewerage in Malaysia. You know, that was what, that was a fascinating. <laughs> um, you can say that for my poo cast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and uh, we spent uh, quite a bit of time in, in the United States doing IT work there. So uh, that's you know got us around the world and got us to lots and lots of good restaurants.
3: I think what happened is we wrote a book about. We started a food guide to Tasmania in 1988. Mm. I think the beginning of 1988, and we did that every year for a, a long time. And then gradually got it like every second year. And then in 2000, the internet was just so pervasive. We stopped. But once you've got something, it's it's like anything. when you've got a handle that people can put on you, then then suddenly other things happen. It's just that you need that first thing, and it was just in the early days of desktop publishing and it was pretty easy to do things yourselves. And the first one, we wrote one weekend, we literally we'd done all the research and we sat down on Friday night to write it, and we went for we were younger then for an, I think about forty hours straight. And at the end of it, we had a book which we then printed out on our Apple laser printer that you could use to was so big and heavy you could use to more to anchor a yacht, and um, sent it off to the printer, and we had a book. And once you have a book, then you're an expert. And
2: did that was that book mostly sold within Tasmania, or did it kind of get? you?
3: so it sold
1: throughout Australia, but uh, mainly most of the sales were in Tasmania. Yeah, for visitors coming. We down. thought
3: everybody <laughs> needed one, but unfortunately, as it turns out, that the the number of proportion of people who are actually really interested in food enough to buy a book is actually quite small.
1: So how long have you two lived in, in Hobart? Um, well, we're, we're both Tasmanians. Sure. And I've lived in Hobart since boarding school. <laughs> <laughs> so many years. Many
3: years. And I've mostly lived in Hobart since mm. I was 16 or 17. So.
2: Yeah. I mean, the reason I ask is that it's now seen as you know, somewhat of a foodie destination. Um, in fact, you know, a great deal of the tourism is because of the food scene here. Absolutely. When you started the guide, was it on its way to becoming that or were you guys kind of instrumental in
1: pushing it towards that? Uh, we've played a, a little part in that and we've always uh, used our, radio, our former radio program to promote Tasmania as a food destination. But um, probably what we've seen over the last 30 years, is how much better the produce in Tasmania has got. Um, restaurants, not generally, uh, there's, there's been shining stars like Garagiste and Franklin, of course, and a few others, but um, uh, once, w- once you get outside Hobart, um, it's pretty dire sometimes trying to find uh, food. So, but there's, there's always good produce around, and that's, that's one of the great things about Tasmania.
2: Do you remember who who got the accolades in that first guide you put out?
1: Oh yes, oh. yes. Um, there was there was a number of restaurants. Like dear friends was one of the the restaurants, which was um, a, a very good restaurant at the time. But uh, there's it, a few that are still
3: there. Yeah, there's yeah. That's few. why I mm-hmm. asked. Is it, is mm-hmm. Like Prosses,
1: Prosses, and, and, and the Drunken Admiral,
3: I think, were there. Are they still
1: and, places that you frequent?
2: No, no.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've changed. Yeah, <laughs> like your palate changes
2: yeah, for sure. Mm. So. Please take this as a compliment, but a lot of people all, like of your generation who are in the food industry aren't anywhere near as
1: forward-looking as you guys are when it comes to food and wine. Oh, thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Um, we, we we try to keep up and uh, we, we are naturally curious and we, we are naturally uh, looking for interesting things. So, uh, it, it keeps us, you know young in mind, if not in body. <laughs> well,
3: I think the big thing is that we don't think we know everything. Mm. And as a lot of people get older, they think they do. And we've mm. had quite a few arguments with people who of our generation who still believe what they believed 20 years ago. But we've, we've changed. We've recognised that what we believe then, what we like to eat then, uh, what we like to drink then, is it's different now. And we're still learning. And... I think that's probably the difference between us and a lot of people who are, are as old as we are. We're probably the oldest people you've had on the mention.
2: Oh, that's, yeah, that, that's not hard, though. <laughs> and the average age is 32 or something on the <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So...
1: Um, and, and I think the other thing, which is a bit harder to define, is we we like to follow the energy and... Uh, very early in our careers, we um, were involved in computers in education. We were teachers, and there was an incredible amount of energy around. The microcomputers were just coming out. In fact, I was there before microcomputers, but that's a different issue. Um, and you know, people were buying these you know, funny little. Um, Uh, microcomputers and doing funny things with them and we were using them in schools and there was a great community all around the world and Tasmania was one of the leading places in the world for the use of uh, computers in schools at the time and then when we started doing food um, there was a great amount of energy in restaurants at the time and uh, certainly in Melbourne there was a really vibrant restaurant scene and now, in, uh, because we uh, restrict ourselves to natural wines, um, there is just so much energy in the in the whole natural wine scene, both in Australia and around the world, that you can go anywhere in the world and provided you have a conversation with somebody about natural wines, you, you're just enveloped and uh, you're part of the scene. So, yeah, that's... that's it is people, quite too. funny
3: because we are so old that... We go into these <laughs> cool places in Paris or New York or Los Angeles and and then we start to order the, the, some of the most interesting wines on the wine list and the 30-year-old sommeliers find it really confusing because first of all, when we walk in the door, they think, oh God, here we go again, more people who shouldn't have found us. <laughs> and then they suddenly realise it's okay and we go through an interesting <laughs> period at the beginning of the meal. And then they end up, they get excited and like every anyone does with, in this community, generally when you get someone who's enthusiastic, people start opening bottles of wine and suddenly it's three o'clock in the morning mm. and you've met a whole lot of new friends.
2: Although I will say that I did suggest that we record tonight at 10 o'clock and you said you'd be in bed by then.
3: <laughs> That's quite possible. <laughs> that
2: but you'll, you'll find that at Rootstock, when you walk the floor, the people that... that the 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 winemakers that people are the most excited to see are the older ones mm. the significantly older mm. ones I wish I could remember his name but he Mr Binny he was the one that makes the the wine with a big arrow on it Mr. Is that we're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. everyone was like, so ecstatic that he was there last yeah. year he was pretty ecstatic he was there too <laughs> <laughs> but there is like uh, 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 like you in the the Vincast episode you spoke about you were on sorry you, you spoke about uh, your palate developing to the point where if, if someone doesn't offer natural wines you kind of don't really want to be there.
3: No, yeah, we drink beer.
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, I, oh, soda water. Because mm. <laughs> um, now my, my beer palate's changed too, which is yeah. bizarre. Uh, uh, beers that I used to find so mm. easy to drink whenever mm. I now I can't, I don't know, I, I can have one and I'm like, oh, I don't want this anymore. <laughs> so that was or, e- like,
3: or even cocktails sometimes. You can do better with cocktails. A spritz. Than, mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Although the stuff they use in it just may not necessarily be good. No, that's quite extraordinary what's happened to us. And when we started our wine business... It really was more about just the savouriness of French wines compared to what Australian wines were like at the time, which was the thing we were seeking because we really started the business so we could afford to drink the wines Mm. ourselves, the wines that we were used to drinking because we had this house in France. Uh, But then almost immediately, we were just pretty lucky that at the same time as we started this project, Natural Wine, started to get enough visibility for us to notice it. And once you start drinking natural wine you are uh, you you cannot go to, you won't go to, unless you're forced for some mm. other reason to a restaurant that doesn't have a reasonable selection of natural wines, because there's no pleasure in the meal.
2: And then you feel so bad because there are those people in your life that you know, your parents or, or people in your family, are like, oh, let's have a wine together, mm. and you're like, oh, it's like you're, you're this snooty prick that doesn't want to have the yeah, thing. Yeah, someone you used brings to love. out the grange, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so you're
3: supposed to be a special <laughs> moment, and you turn your nose up. <laughs>
2: It was funny at lunch today. I, I went to Franklin um, on your recommendation. Um, it wasn't actually even open when I was last in Hobart, so I was super excited to go back there. But I had for dessert they do a lemon and bay leaf ice cream, and then I had a glass of uh, the, the the one Tasmanian wine on the on the list of Rory. Rory, mm-hmm. oh yes, um, yes, and amazing wine. There was mm-hmm. no sweetness in my dessert mm-hmm. or my wine.
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> David, I don't think David <laughs> Moyle knows how to make sweet desserts, <laughs> yeah, and absolutely. that's one of the original recipes that was on, has always been on the menu.
2: Yeah. So we often talk about on the on the podcast how what's the least wanky way to order to start the discussion of natural wine in a restaurant or with people. You've been doing it longer than any of us. How do you begin that discussion in public and at restaurants?
1: Yeah, well, it's best. It's best not to ask. Usually, it's best to look at the menu, uh, the wine list, and uh, oh, crap with names. I never remember. Like what I know I'm we, we can remember.
3: It. No, no, no. But mm. that's not for no, beginners. The public. <laughs> oh, well, I see.
1: This general advice the public. Yeah.
3: I, I think one of the things we used to do in the early days in Australia was buy wines by importer. We would go into a restaurant and say, "Which of the wines on your list does Andrew Gard import?" And then we'd order one of those. As and so you can learn the learn the the and in Brisbane, the wine lists in Brisbane generally are pretty conventional. But because Dan Clark is an is based in Brisbane as an importer of natural Italian wines, we can say which of the Italian wines in your list does Dan import, and then we can feel reasonably safe about ordering those. So that's one thing. I think the other thing is to just say, look, I really find it difficult to drink, sulfite, to drink anything with sulfites in it. Do you have some wines on your list that don't have many sulfites? I just become one of those people like the vegans and the, uh, the gluten-free, just another complication <laughs> for the restaurant. They're used to that another, now. Another
2: thing for them to print up on their docket. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly.
3: <laughs> These are the idiots. Who... <laughs> and so then mostly wines with that are low in sulfites will be organic. Because it's pretty hard, and will be naturally fermented.
2: I've, I've had so many boring, dull, old-fashioned wines that have an organic label on them. Yeah, mm.
3: you've got to get beyond. It's not just yeah. the organics; it's the it's the fermentation. Mm. So, you, the the thing to ask for is a wine which has been fermented naturally and with little to no added sulfites. It's pretty hard to ferment naturally if it's not organic, mm-hmm. because you don't because there isn't enough yeast. Um, and, that, and then watch the reaction. It's, pro- it's safer to do that in, until you know the sommelier than, than it is to say what natural wines have you got because for some sommeliers, for some reason, that seems to be... Uh, the, the, you can hear them, see the hackles going yep. up on, on their backs because they hate that term. I don't understand it because for me it's a really useful shortcut to get to the wines that we like to drink. It's mm. like a mason's handshake in a way if you get the right person
2: yeah, and then there are people that like that definitely have a lot of you know quote unquote natural wines on offer, but um, refuse to admit that you know that, that that they have a preference for natural or, or ones
1: that aren't mm. natural, <laughs> and they want to just give you a rant
3: before yeah, you get some, a glass. Of yeah, wine. yeah. <laughs> that's,
1: that's right. And we, when when we want a glass of wine, we want a glass of wine. We, <laughs> we, we don't need a, a lesson in. Um, uh, wine appreciation, and so. if they
3: hurry it up and solve the problem, we'd probably end up having two bottles of wine rather than one. Yeah, exactly.
1: I was at Cumulus up
2: mm-hmm. the other night, and I asked if they had any 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 cloudy wines, <laughs> <laughs> and he said he said no, but I, I think I know what you mean. And, then <laughs> and I got some, well, decent, that, that, some That's stuff. a nice way of doing it. I actually, got, yeah. I got a wine from the, the garages that has nothing to do with the rest. Oh, yes, at from I, yeah, from Victoria, and that was excellent. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: We, did,
3: we did an event at Cumulus up mm. with them. Actually, oh, cool. Yeah,
1: there, there's ago. one of the uh, that's one of the things that uh, is certainly taken up in Australia now. There are so many young, enthusiastic winemakers who are moving to natural ways of making wine. and Mm. uh, So there's a much better choice of Australian wines now. And certainly places like the Adelaide Hills are just really booming. uh, There's some great stuff there. So,
2: Living Wines, you guys import exclusively French wine. French natural wines, And yeah. that's because that was the first place you ever had natural wines, right?
1: Uh, it's the first place that we probably knowingly had natural wines. It's probably not the first place we sure. had natural wines, but... Uh, first place that you went to a
2: restaurant that took pride in yep, the natural yep, wines.
1: Yep, yep. the Vieux Volets, for example, um, in Paris. Um, We walked in and the same wine was on every table in the Vervolet And we thought, well, whatever they're having, we're going to have. And it turned out to be a natural wine from Foyard. Yep. So... Okay.
2: And how soon after that did you start trying to bring your own bring, bring those wine? Because was it was it, it, it an immediate it, it like you fell in love straight away? Time.
1: Yeah, it was all happening about the same time in the mid two thousands. Yeah,
2: and, mm. you, and at the moment you had that, you know that. I mean, how, how many glasses of, of wine did you have that night in that, oh, that, that restaurant? No idea. <laughs> 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 that was a three a.m. finish.
1: <laughs> it's often been a three a.m. finish there. Actually,
3: we're actually mm. writing a story for gourmet traveler when we were doing that mm. Mm. on Kava Van on oh, sorry caravanne the uh, that whole philosophy that's slowly taking off in. Australia restaurants, which also managed to get beaked the uh, licensing authorities into being able to also retail wine as well. Oh yes, yeah, and sure. that often the the price of the wine in the restaurant is pretty reasonable. You just pay like a the uh, pay six euros on top of the retail price. And
2: I think one two one BC is the only place in, in oh, Sydney that, that I can think of that does it. Uh, hmm. In Sydney, yeah, yeah but yeah. there's very few, there's very few. Well, you have
3: your the licensing famous, famous people. <laughs> one
2: day we're going to do an episode with licensing, <laughs> put, like, <laughs> licensing officials on it. It will be <laughs> the most swear word filled <laughs> one yet.
3: It's <laughs> yeah. so insane because these I mean, people don't cause trouble drinking these wines, mm. but...
1: Yes, well, like the Vevolet, they they have a very enlightened policy. They let you, um, they they will serve you food and give you wine glasses and sell you a bottle of wine. You can go outside and sit on the Canal Saint-Martin and um, have a picnic. You know, it's very, uh, yeah, it's very good.
2: Yeah, even um, I I, I, I spoke about it last time I went to, I forget names so quickly. Um, And last time I was in Paris, I went to some apparently very famous bottle shop. And they were just cracking bottles of wine and saying, "Do you like this?" Try it. And like, just pouring me a whole glass and before <laughs> 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 about it. Um, but
3: carved de papille possibly. Yeah.
2: Mm. Um, why? Why the decision to only bring out French wines?
3: Well, well, our French is really bad, but our other languages are even worse. So, part, Well, we have a house. Mm-hmm. That's the whole thing started because we've got this house with that we own with two friends in the south of France. So we were kind of based in France anyway. But it does help to have just very basic communication skills, like the the niceties of dealing with people. We've got a few winemakers who only speak French. Most of them now, most of the young winemakers particularly, speak some English as well, and we can kind of muddle th- muddle through with the ones that don't speak English. But with the Italians or the Spanish, it would be a disaster. Would be completely hopeless as opposed to hopeless.
2: And have you got a particular region of France that's your favourite?
1: No, we. Oh, n- not not that it's a favourite. Um, we bring in wine from all over France, and I mean, we 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 like the area that our house is in, in which is in Northern Provence, uh, in the Vaucluse. It's a beautiful, beautiful area, and great agriculture there so therefore um, there's a great market within 20 minutes of the house and uh, which opens at night rather than in the morning uh, which is quite unusual in France. So we head off for the day and then call back via the Valeron market and um, stock up on vegetables and you know very good vegetables that have been picked that day and um,
3: then go back to the house and Probably have a bottle of wine, but in wine wise, most of our wine comes from th- the major areas: are the Loire Valley, mm. uh, the Jura, and um, Burgundy. Mm. Burgundy is pretty classic, but when we first started importing wines from the Jura in two thousand and nine, um, there were hardly any. There was some some that had had a long established relationship, like I think Tissot was here and Poufanet, and uh, and Andrew was in Andrew Gar was importing over Noir and Ganivar, but the Jura was hardly known. Whereas –
1: sorry.
2: You've got to with that I'm silent already.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Someone's ordering wine. This is a, <laughs> this is a really big conflict here. <laughs> Do I answer the customer or keep talking to you? <laughs> I'll stop a booping at least.
2: <laughs> uh, so, you know, it is one thing to say that you guys bring out wines from France, but to really – Show how far your, your your influence stretches around Australia. Do You want to tell me some of the restaurants who stock the wines you bring out because mm. it, it's a veritable who's who of who's been on the mission in the last six months. <laughs> it. It,
1: it certainly is in terms of Sydney, uh, Hubert, uh, mm. Esther, um,
3: Acme and Barbarose
1: uh, Ten Williams Street, um,
3: all the places we like to eat at. <laughs> yeah. yeah, That's yeah. a convenient, a nice convergence of interest.
2: <laughs> and then Melbourne as well.
3: Embler, all the McConnell, McConnell yeah. group. There's that famous. Um, oh, and, and Esther mm. is another good, very good customer that just reminded me of. There's that famous quote, that, a lovely quote that Matt Lindsay said to us once when he said, I just get off the plane when I get to Melbourne and give my credit card to Andrew McConnell. It's easier <laughs> that way. <laughs>
1: yes.
2: Um, and so you, you you used to do a lot of reviews. You were telling me earlier that, that now you do less of them because of, It's difficult. It is difficult mm-hmm. being that you, you are, are someone who profits off businesses because you you bring out wines that they want to stock. That's right. And you could try and go to restaurants that don't stock your wines but frankly those aren't the restaurants that you want exactly. to eat Exactly.
3: <laughs> it's a constant dilemma because if they don't stock our wines, if we want to eat there then we'd want them to stock our wines. <laughs> so there is no happy solution to eating in a restaurant that we could review. So we just generally try to avoid doing it. So we still... Uh, We've done the odd review these days in Tasmania for restaurants that we that don't stock our wine. But um, now we didn't. We really tried hard not to push the wine in Tasmania because of the, the the complications. But now pretty much all of the restaurants that are in the in the guide seem to have some of our wine at some point in time. So, mm. so it's we, all just too so We just
1: don't do it anymore. Let's And that's fine.
2: Anyway, it's much more
3: fun eating. Reviewing is actually, as you would know, reviewing is actually quite hard work. Mitch
2: will not let me complain about reviewing (laughs) restaurants because he's like, oh, man, it sounds so hard.
3: (laughs) (laughs) But it is, isn't it? I mean, it's not – you eat a different way when you review.
2: If you love it, if you love the meal, it's still really easy. Mm. But if you – When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. are indifferent like if you actually if you hate it it's easy too. if you're indifferent that's when it's difficult yeah exactly. You're just like oh man i have to try and turn this into a succinct three paragraphs you know mm-hmm. um, and
3: find some way of giving someone who reads it useful information it's to help them decide whether or not to go because so much of the value or otherwise in a review is in all the subtle things that people say that reading between the lines you know whether it's good for you or not it's um it's why we we i think we talked about this in that in the vincast um podcast as well that it's hard to get good information about wine in most australian restaurant reviews to give you to to give once you're in the position that you're in the where in where your palates changed you've gone over the to the dark side or whatever side it is. <laughs> the cloudy side. And, yeah, the cloudy, the cloudy side. side. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. And you're not really interested in going to a restaurant that doesn't have at least a reasonable selection of those sort of wines. You want to actually know from the review whether or not that restaurant is a candidate for you or not because the you spend as much money on, if not more in our case, you generally spend as much money or, or more on the drink as you do as the wine, whereas sure. the food, but the, the wine list... And the wine service will maybe get one paragraph, if you're lucky, on some... If
2: not a few lines. I mean, like, you get, when you have 140 words or whatever, for me, I find it really difficult. Unless the, the wine is like a focal point of what I enjoyed about the restaurant. Yeah. It's always just like a... And there is wine. Like, there's no <laughs> more
1: than that. The, 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 the people who do it really well are La in France. Uh, in their review, they always... In every review, they, they usually say three wines... That are on the list, and those three wines, they always choose to reflect the level of uh, naturalness or classicness right. of the wine list. And uh, you can just read those three, and you know whether you want to go there or not. Because
3: just- even within natural wine, it's quite a broad spectrum, and there's the there's the stuff that's there's the wines with where the winemaker would never add sulfites, and that's one ex. That's one extreme and then there's wines at the other end of the spectrum and you know, we, we import wines that go f- right through that spectrum that you wouldn't be able to use your term cloudy as a way to sure. say that to help for the sommelier to know that you like natural wines where they add a little bit of sulfites where they might um, probably not fine or filter but the, the wine but they'll use gravity to in effect filter it. So the wine's actually quite clear but it's naturally fermented Mm-hmm. And it's organically grown, so it's natural. But it's but a classic conventional wine drinker wouldn't be too shocked by it for sure. And some restaurants will have natural wines, but at that end of the spectrum, and others like will only yeah, yeah exactly. And others will only have the the wines that the. Uh, that are at the other end that like we have, a, we have a proportion of our portfolio there are some importers with a f- fantastic collection of wines that are only at that end like Cam Burton in, in Melbourne who was a sommelier at the Builders Arms who's, whose portfolio is entirely sulphite free or host mm. imports in South Australia so um, you can actually do quite well actually by asking who's tell us some of your import tell us some of your yeah. uh, who you buy your wine from and I, then I'll choose my wine <laughs>
2: Drop first names as well <laughs> <Yeah>. Andrew, <laughs> Sue, Roger <laughs> um, well, It was
3: funny when we've listened to some of the Minchin episodes As we've been driving around France And someone says Sue and Roger and I think, my God, how would anyone listening to this not <laughs> talk about the
2: That's why the, I'm, I'm the everyman I've got, to, I've got to let everybody know the last names to the first names <laughs> When I get dropped <laughs> So it's very rare for you know for anyone to dictate to sorry dedicate more than three three lines in a in a in a review to wine, but even rarer for them to talk about the sommelier as, at all,
3: mm. unless mm. they are cross with them. Mm.
2: <laughs> Absolutely, mm. um, like, you know. Have you have you, How often is your wine experience positive because of the sommelier? Oh,
1: quite often, quite yeah. often. And, uh, re, I remember a, a visit to the tasting room in Los Angeles, and um, we.
2: I think that was
3: probably one of those moments when I thought, oh, God, who are these old people coming in?
1: (laughs) And uh, we we actually ordered the wine, the first wine, from uh, a waiter. And the sommelier came rushing over with the bottle and said, "Uh, excuse me, uh, do you understand what you've just ordered? And we said, oh, sure, it's an orange wine. And uh, he said, do you know about orange wines? And this was about six years ago. Uh, probably even more and um, we said oh yes eight years
3: ago because Obama was about to be elected oh okay
1: yes so it was eight years ago so it was right at the start of Orange Wines and uh, he said well look can, how about uh, you just have a glass of this one and I'll open a few other bottles if you like 16 bottles later we uh, left the restaurant
3: <laughs> we were just the perfect excuse for him to open everything he had waiting for he box. had
1: 16 bottles open that he could have a drink of so. Yeah, I, I, I love it <laughs> yeah. the, the
2: surprise song that's into orange wines I've had the reverse of that where you're like in doing a regional review and asking a Blue Mountain song if he had any orange wines oh, in his okay. <laughs> yes half of these wines are from orange <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: exactly exactly yes
2: uh,
3: to me the ultimate luxury is to go to a place and this happens when you build a relationship with a sommelier it's not so easy when you just walk into a restaurant for the first time as a customer although if you ask the right questions you can make it happen pretty quickly for me the ultimate luxury is to go somewhere where someone chooses a wine for you that they know you well enough that or they've worked out what your palate is that they will show you wines that you probably haven't had before that they are confident that you'll enjoy it. So if you go to somewhere like Ten Williams Street, yeah, then we we try hard never to make a decision. Uh, yeah, I
2: don't think I've ever specifically mm. ordered something from Geo before. Mm.
3: Yeah, it, uh, yeah uh, it just it's not necessary. Um,
1: he will bring you something that. Uh, that, that, that he, he will like drink it. too yeah. and then he'll sit yeah. down and drink yeah. it
2: with yep. you yep. <laughs> or oh, when
3: um, uh, when Garages was open in Hobart and you know we went a lot of the thing uh, a lot of the thing about the natural wine thing with us uh, we went through this really amazing learning experience with Luke and Katrina when they were going through the torture of finding a place and starting garage and opening Garage East and we we learnt natural wines together around this table and uh just such a significant influence for us. But Katrina, when we would go to Garage East, if we tried to order a wine, she'd say, but you had that three months ago. Don't you want to have something different? So we would just give up and well, let it. You, say,
1: you had that one two years ago when you were sitting at you know, 1A and 1B or something. <laughs> yeah, right, okay. So we would,
3: um, we, we're reasonably well informed about French wines because you, you it's useful to know what other wines are in the country so that you don't tread on someone's toes by approaching the winemaker but when it comes to wines from spain or italy or georgia uh there's so many interesting wines in in australia now we don't know a lot about them so we're totally dependent on the sommelier and if you try to be smart and think you know more you miss out on all that stuff that's out there that's so interesting Uh,
1: but the the um in general, we find sommeliers knowledgeable, clever, uh, willing to uh, explore wines. There are some, though, who are stuck in Burgundy. And Can, who- can I give you a horror story
2: related to this? <laughs> yes, please. So uh, earlier in the year, before uh, my wife and I had our second baby, we did a little trip down through Melbourne. We went to Igney, we went to Bray, we went to Attica. And um, I was thinking, of, you know, I want to do a bit of driving as well, mm-hmm. so... I saw that Royal Mount Royal Mail do a package now, and it's five hundred dollars, and that gets you dinner, um, a nights accommodation for two, a dinner for two, a nights accommodation, breakfast, match drinks. I was like, "Wow, that's amazing! Five hundred bucks—that's crazy!" And it was the most by the numbers affair. I'm not going to go into it too much, but there was this. This will sum up my entire meal. The som brought my main course, and he said, "Your main course tonight is is is, uh, is roast duck." and there is no more classic combination than roast duck and a Pinot Noir. Onion. So, your wine, a Pinot Noir. Enjoy. And that was the extent. of I was like, no, you don't. That's not I could have done that. I could have read a Wikipedia article. On. <laughs>
3: That's so depressing, isn't it? Especially, especially when you think of what... It has been there when with some of the well, great we, we sommeliers. Went, we went that, right.
2: We went to Ray the next day and had what mm, it used to be. Mm, yeah. uh,
3: and also the, with the wine when Sebastian Crowther was the sommelier there and Jeremy Shield. There have been some great sommeliers at the Royal Mail, and they had um, and they had a wonderful palette to work with because they had all the classic stuff as well as the, the the some of the more interesting wines that they brought. And the time we did wine matching with when Seb was the sommelier, we had some fantastic wines. Mm, mm. No it's um it's it's all very interesting you it's very much a it's so political and it's a shame that it's political but it is and um, we there's no way we'll budge we make no apologies for the <laughs> fact that we're out on a limb we've we've crossed over I just don't want to drink those wines. We tried recently mm. to have some some well-known Burgundies and some with some age like 1996 and we just couldn't drink them too mm. much the wood the, the the sulfur the lack of life that's,
2: mm. that, that's that that aftertaste is what mm. I can't handle mm. on those yeah. classic that, those classic old reds what, and, what, what, yeah. what do you what do you say to people of your generation that have been doing in the food industry as long as you have writing that do not see eye to eye with you one bit and are stuck and like you know there are a lot of writers that do not think that natural wines belong on the wine list at fine dining restaurants. Well,
1: Have you had conversations uh, with them at all? With um, some, yes, and uh, uh, some, some not so good. Yes, yeah, some and not, not so good conversations. But uh, partly, it's um, it's a lack of understanding on their part about the fact that you can't dictate taste. Now, uh, wine judges particularly, and we have a lot of problems with some wine judges, wine judges particularly think there is a single taste for a single wine, that uh, if, if they like it and they rate it at 96 points or probably 97 points, then everybody will think it's good. Uh, or, uh, sorry, everybody should think it's good. But our tastes are different. Our taste is not the same as their taste. We don't like the taste of new wood, for example. We think it's an additive that's added into the wine that makes it different. Or uh, a lot of yeasts, the, the yeast companies actually advertise the fact and are quite proud of the fact that if you use their yeast, it will change the taste of the wine and add tropical flavours or you know, bubblegum flavours or whatever to the wine. So we just reject absolutely the fact that one person can say this is a great wine and these others aren't because we think a great wine is the binny wine for example and, and the uh, the wine judges certainly wouldn't think that was a great wine
3: when, when you're applying yeah. a, a score out of 20 or a score out of 100 and you've got all these little categories that you get just measured a, by like so. a, if one is clarity then an awful lot of natural wines have problems and uh, we have wines that look like lava lamps. <laughs> <laughs> and they're some of the tastiest because if you think about it with things like if you think about it in the context of honey, where if you have a clear honey, it tastes revolt. I was going to say it tastes like shit, but then <laughs> 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 <If Fuck>! we blew it, we blew it.
0: Fuck Oh no, here we go. <laughs>
3: it's it's um, it, it has no flavour. Whereas a honey that's cloudy that's probably got bits of pollen and bees wings and god only knows what else in it has got all the flavor Mm. and it's exactly the same with wine when you strip it out but you can't get marks for clarity if you're cloudy
1: and and, you know to to turn it around the other way I, i really really like the flavor of tempoyak now what's that well um i'm sure that If I gave Tempoyak to most of the wine judges in in Australia, uh, they would probably vomit. Uh, Tempoyak is um, fermented durian. Oh, sure. (laughs) And I I just love the flavour. I think Mm. it's an amazing flavour. But the fact that I like that flavour and somebody else would throw up in eating Tempoyak means that there isn't a gold standard for what is good taste. And that's what's happened in the natural wine world. We have uh, evolved to a higher plane and uh, are uh, (laughs) able to enjoy those wines.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think the really interesting thing about it all is that, though, is that generally speaking, the, the, the importers who bring in these wines, the people in Australia who are making them, aren't part of the whole community that feeds the wine writing industry. And that's a problem for the classic uh, newspaper wine writing, for example, where it's all based on you get the samples and then you write up the review and, and then the someone and the puts visits. the review mm. on the in the wine shop up against the wine and then the people buy it. Mm. And now it's all different because the, the wines aren't available through... For some reason, we've got this thing in Australia where we're very Uh, write and proper about how we review restaurants and newspapers make it clear that um, you don't that the reviewers pay for their own meals and everything's independent whereas with wine writing it's you send me the samples and then I'll write about it it's completely different the wine writer doesn't get a budget where they can go and choose the wines that they want in the same way as you can when you go to a restaurant. So we've got a real problem where we've got all these fantastic, interesting wines out there, but very few people writing about them. You know, we've got Mike Benny writing great stuff because he's he goes he likes he loves these wines, and, and he loves
2: discovering new things and telling people about how much He loves them. That's the, that's the the core why he's the greatest person. Like, but, but yeah.
3: the people. But but it's very hard to pick up much through the mainstream press which is going to help educate people and that's why we're we're great supporters of events we always try to make sure we're there for things like mental notes in sydney bottle tops the event that was done in tasmania that was so successful earlier in the year and obviously the mother of all of these events rootstock to directly try the process of talking to people people are really wanting to soak up the information there's so much interest but it's not much of it's available in the conventional media. It tends to be mainly the politics of it in the conventional media. Yeah,
2: totally. Yeah. Um, well, you, you guys will be at Rootstock this year.
1: Oh, yes. That's, yes is is the,
2: we've the, got the
3: second last weekend of October? Sorry, uh, November, uh, November. November, yeah. yeah.
2: Uh, the the last, last weekend. Last weekend of November. Yeah,
1: uh, we have uh, both Tony and Philippe Bonard coming out from the Jura. So oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, the Fox will be in Tasmania and Sydney, so... We're looking forward to that. How
2: many w- wines do you reckon you're going to be uh, letting yeah. people taste?
1: Uh, not a lot, but uh, probably half a dozen. Just trying
2: to find the date the date and the details. I think so it's the 26th, 26th and of November. Tw- and the 26th to tw- 27th of November this year at um, the same place it always is at Carriageworks, Rootstock, Sydney. And there's still tickets available, so make sure you... We might, we might even do another terrible drunken... <laughs> uh, tour episode. To that. That, that episode took me two weeks to edit. It was, <laughs> it was such, a, and it's still a mess. <laughs> well, I said at the beginning of the episode that we wouldn't talk that much about wine, but it's, I think it's all we've talked about. <laughs> so, a little lightning round, concentrating on food. Mm. Um, what are some things that were present when you started writing about food that aren't now?
3: oh, oh
1: um, generally for the good, I think really heavily reduced. Um, sticky jus on uh, a plate is something which the, the, there is a much lighter style of sourcing these days, which I think is a is a really good thing. Um, the the and also the other thing that's happened is that. Uh, the three veg per plate Has sort of morphed into Something quite different now And vegetables seem to have Integrated themselves much more Into the entire dish Than having you know Three things on the side So,
3: And you don't get duos and trios On the menus oh, yeah, very much of anymore dips,
1: We're really missing that <laughs> <laughs> What about for the bad
2: What things Because what you, you started out what We're talking about is this Is the 90s we're talking about
3: 80s, 80s. 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 <laughs> Um, I think the regulations are probably making some things harder that hmm. that weren't there before, with things like cheese making, the 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 way that food is stored. So you know, I remember in 1983, going to Fleury, which was a, a really good restaurant that Ian Hewitson had in uh, Turek in hmm. in Victoria, and uh, the cheese, the the way the cheese was displayed there now would be impossible. You, you walked you into walked, the restaurant yeah. and it was just this amazing... The smell was fantastic. And now that would all have to be wrapped up in plastic, brought out at the last moment. Trying to get... Uh, these days it's pretty hard to get cheese at a, at a good temperature. Things like the cooking of meat. Everything has to be refrigerated for fear of the, the food inspector. Whereas that didn't happen anymore. People didn't seem to die. and I mean, You could make raw milk cheese in years gone by. And until the uh, big industry got hold of the food yeah. lobby, so there are some things that are worse, but generally speaking, it's actually an awful lot better.
1: Mm. I, I think another thing I hate seeing is people serving food with plastic gloves, dirty, <laughs> yeah. filthy oh, plastic gloves. So much it's, worse. I would rather
2: <laughs> I, I would rather see you like <laughs> go from like changing a wheel on your car <laughs> to <laughs> then putting your, your hands on my yeah. food <laughs> to to, see, to, that, to, <laughs> to seeing <laughs> them, you know. Yeah. Put a glove on. just horrible. Awful. Yeah. And
3: the other thing I hate is plastic, uh, colour-coded plastic boards for cooking. So oh. you've got
2: to have a, <laughs> okay. a colourful... I, I was guilty of those at my restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> that is so much well, easier. Well, yeah, because
3: the the legislation makes it so hard. But wood is just so much better as a yeah, cutting aid. No, yeah, it
2: definitely is, yeah. Mm. Um, I, I need your expertise on some very hot topics on uh, on the mission. Craft beer, yay or nay?
3: Um, I really like hmm. La Serene, So hmm. I don't think we can say... We're anti craft beer. We're not anti craft beer. Well, neither are we, actually. (laughs) We like to to make jokes about it. I just think it's this. Deep-seated thing that Mike Benny has—that he. Oh no no! This he, is his he, his populism is that he thinks he <laughs> should be he should be drinking Cascade th- Red or something. Broom, it no, you're not getting a Christmas card from Mike <laughs>
2: <laughs> out of a can. I actually, I actually, I love drinking out of a can. In fact, <laughs> do you know we that in, there's a
3: can bar in Hobart? Really? I mm.
2: they open past ten o'clock
3: tonight? Ah, uh, possibly. I doubt it. <laughs> We'll give you some addresses that no, our end, but there is one bar that only has beer out of cans. That's
1: very, very... Only scary. has anything out of cans. It's a can bar.
2: Oh, fantastic. <laughs> um, the, we were in... I was in Auckland last Thursday, and Mike Benny was, just happened to be there too. So we, um, we went to a, a bar, and he, it was, they, they specialised in craft beer. And so we bought a bunch of interesting and weird-sounding cans. And the weirdest one that I thought I was going to hate... Ended up being my favourite So we're we're going to put that up up very soon A video and and audio So stay tuned for that People that think we hate all craft beer Um, (laughs) So
3: you think Mike's moved on a bit This is very good No, no, it's like
2: uh, The the movement is ridiculous And I think, you know Beer guys are way more aggressively You know, pushing their tastes and, And their opinions Towards people that don't see eye to eye with them Harder than anyone else. Like, like like beer guys are so much more aggressive than wine guys. And so like, well, you, you don't like it because you don't know anything about it. <laughs> that kind of stuff. You know,
3: it's interesting because most of the craft beers, whenever we ask questions, they're actually – well, they certainly wouldn't satisfy our requirements for what we're interested in drinking, which is something where uh, the ingredients are organic and where it's fermented naturally. I think that's one of the reasons why I like La Serene mm. and why we like two-meter-tall beers generally that is that because they're naturally fermented, you get those – there's more umami. There's more different things happening. Sometimes not necessarily expected things. Yeah. But whereas most beer, craft or otherwise, seems to be produced to a very strict formula. It's a recipe. Whereas wine, natural wine, isn't a recipe. It's an experience. And so we like the experience type craft beers.
2: Yeah, I, I, I think I agree with you on that. And we definitely tried some of those. And I, remember, I mean, I like sour beer a lot more than mm. than like an IPA. Mm. Um, and I guess that falls into the craft category. Yep. Um, yeah, so
3: we could redefine with a term, I guess. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll try and do that in the future. Um, very, very important last question. Uh, can you please tell me one good thing about dining in Perth?
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Nothing? <laughs> Th- <laughs> oh man, that's a
2: better, that's <laughs> reaction could have, could have gotten from anyone <laughs> Alright, well stay tuned Perth listeners Everyone always asks When are you going to come to Perth? When are you going to do something about Perth?
3: <laughs> that's such a cruel question Because <laughs> I'm sure if we, th- well we know who to ask <laughs> That's all that matters <laughs> Who do you ask? Max, the Gourmet Traveller restaurant reviewer
2: Right, okay, cool. So right. So talk right. to Max. If he's ever in Sydney. Oh, actually, I'm in Perth next weekend. Maybe I can try and talk to Max.
3: Talk to Max. He'll sort you out. Okay. <laughs> That's um, what we'd do <laughs> if we had to go.
2: And most importantly, where can uh, any listener um, go to pick up any of the wines that you bring out?
3: Uh, well, our website is, we have a shop in the sky, Living Wines, but um, we sell to the kind of the places you'd expect in Sydney and Melbourne, like um, Annandale Cellars and uh, the Oak Barrel in Sydney and... Um, uh Black Hearts and Sparrows in Melbourne.
2: Some are some are available through drinks. Daring oh yes, drinks. Yeah. And uh livingwines.com is that uh, livingwines.com dot A. U. And you can you on a direct from you too, right? Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. we're
3: very friendly. We uh, we don't charge freight. Unless you're from Perth. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, we've got to think about that because I'm, there are good restaurants. There's Lala Rook. There you are.
2: Yeah, Lala Rook. Huh? There you go, Perth. you so satisfied Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, of course, there is foodtourist.com. Yeah, that's com. a bit yep, more yep.
3: broad, so that's... We like to think that's a pretty good guide to Tasmania. It's also a pretty good guide to Paris too, because they're the two of course, places yeah, yeah. we spend most time in.
2: All right, Well, maybe we should end on that. Where, where, where should you know? I'm coming to Tasmania again next week. Say I'm going. There, say I'm going to do that. Where should I eat?
3: We've got to go to Tricycle for lunch. Yep. You tried Adam's miso in the radish on the radish leaves. Yeah, the, the,
2: the snack game today has been incredible. We have got some garden snacks, some some comti from the fridge, and a whole bunch of different jars of of misos and weird kimchi. Stuff. That's rough rice. Yeah. Very,
0: very good.
3: Obviously, uh, and, Franklin. And tem- a templo. Templo, a templo is very good.
2: good. Yeah. I went to... Is it Ember? No. Uh, I went somewhere else. Uh, somewhere with an E. Is there a somewhere place that else? like with an E last time I was here. Mm, oh, was Ethos. Yes, ethos. that doesn't exist ethos anymore. that's the an E. There you go. That doesn't uh, exist
3: anymore. That,
1: that, that's why um, it didn't spring to mind. No, no, that uh, it, There's a really interesting... That uh, place opening in, in that space actually that was a great restaurant of weeks. I really, really mm. liked
2: that because mm. um, we, we did that one night and then we did the garage east the next night and of course garage east isn't here anymore But no sadly are they going to open something else in Hobart or they elsewhere
3: mm, no I think they're still on the move what about but Paris? They're, they're doing a pop-up in Tokyo at the end of the month, well, if anyone's go. in Japan. <laughs>
1: what about uh, what about Paris? Oh, Paris. Uh, we'll, we always love, uh, at the higher end, we always love Septime, mm-hmm. but um, there's so many good wine bars and uh, um, Cava Manger in Paris, uh, like Le Savanne and… Uh, Clown Bar. Clown Bar, Clown Bar oh, Yeah, Clown Bar is great. Um, yeah, so many. <laughs> Um, Chateaubriand, if you haven't uh, been there, that's such a, a great the, place. The Le Dauphin, which is yeah. the,
3: the wine bar that's yeah. owned by the same people. Chateau Chateaubriand yeah. is always pretty good.
1: Awesome. Yeah, well, it's great. Thank you so much
2: for inviting me into your home and letting me record with you.
3: Pleasure. Thanks for coming.
2: Thank you so much to uh, Roger and Sue. And uh, you can find The Mitchin online facebook.com slash The Mitchin or send us an email to the Mitchin Podcast at gmail.com While you're on the internet, why don't you go to iTunes, find us on there and leave a nice review. We've got lots of new listeners tuning in lately. It'll be great to... Uh, have you review us So more people can hear us And uh, share it around Thanks so much for listening And we'll see you next week At the Mitch and Table Maybe Mitch will be with, with us Probably not <laughs> <laughs> See you later It's the Mitch Podcast Hey, this is Levins. Thanks so much for listening to The Mitchin. If you're not completely sick of my voice by now, why don't you check out one of my other podcasts? One of them is called Hey Fam and is about comedy and pop culture and dumb shit. The other one is called Serious Issues and is all about comic books. You can find both of them on iTunes or download them directly at my website, yolevins.com slash podcasts. Thanks so much for your support and see you next week.
0: Hold up.